Episode 40, uh, what is it? Third 43. Yeah, 43. <laughs> we lost count. Been doing it so long, we lost count. I know, there's so many episodes. Episode 43 of Slam City here. It's Raymond Mora, Mr. Meg sitting across from me. Uh, you know, on this hot summer day, I will say, because even though it's not summer officially, I mean, just this heat wave for the past three days has been crazy. You know what? Everybody complaining about the weather, shut up. Everybody shut up. When it was cold, you was beefing. Now that it's hot, you beefing. Shut up. Either shut up or move. Everybody who's got a complaint, shut up. I would rather you move because then the property value would go down a little bit and the rents would get a little cheaper. But shut up. Shut. Stop complaining. If you you weren't in the gym, you didn't work out, you look terrible, you're tough luck. You knew summer was coming. It happens the same time every year. Shut up. Moving on. I'm, I'm just saying, it's like one of you know, it's like one of those people that, that you talk to, and they're like, "Oh, it's mad cold," and then, and then yo, yo, it's mad hot. It's like they just want, just want. It's like our friend Maria here because she complains about the heat so much, and she's like, you know, and it's funny because she comes from a, uh, I think, country where it's really hot. She should move. I know. She should move. There, there's places you can go where it's one temperature all year. You should move. You should go there. Like, don't we don't. It, Move. Yeah, I'm a lifelong New Yorker, man. Like it kills me when people get aggravated over the weather. It's the it it happens the same time every year. You people always react like they didn't know it was coming. Yeah, I just I don't understand that. But you know it is what it is. You know we got a lot a lot of stuff to discuss today on this show. I mean, if you go from Lavar Ball's comments towards uh, FS1 reporter Christine Leahy to the Knicks having the eighth pick and then LeBron's dominance in the playoffs once again and the Warriors doing whatever they want. But, <laughs> and that's the show. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> like, that's pretty fine. much it. But let's start off now with a little bit about LeVar Ball because, look, I, the, what he said, you know, Tara's to stay in your lane because she said about the whole how much shoes and everything and, you know, he was trying to cover up what really was happening. But, you know, she, she responded to him saying, you know, just not all of it, but I'm saying some of it, like, he has every right to disagree with anything I say, anything that any of us say. I really enjoy debate. I just like it to be respectful. You and I debate, we debate all the time. It's like what we do here, but we do it in a respectful way. We don't threaten each other. We don't dismiss each other. We don't look each other in the eye. We don't make personal attacks about weight. You know, that's just one of the stuff that she said on Speak for Yourself on FS1. But, you know, going to that whole conversation, I was hearing it, and it just felt like LaVar, for me, sounded like a guy who, who really acts like a bully if you think about it mm. and i'm saying in a way because you know because he has these sons he wants to, to do you know wants to be great with his brand and everything but it's just i felt like he did too much for them that mm-hmm. they're gonna be at a point in their, their careers when they get older they're gonna be like i don't need my dad anymore to do this and that i mean i mm-hmm. gotta do things on my own decision but that whole debate with her and and him it just it, it just felt like he revealed some of his character in my Okay, let's 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 start from the beginning. I'm going to pick this apart. Here's my issue with this whole thing. Number one, it's two separate issues. The way he treats his son and the way he reacted to her. For me, those are two separate things. Now, I don't necessarily agree with his amount of meddling in his son's or capitalizing off of his son's uh, fame and, and, and ability. But his son hasn't expressed that he has a problem with it. And until he does, everybody is just speculating. We're just guessing whether he does or doesn't. But he's adamantly said that, you know, he wants he's by his son's side and his son has agreed. So until we see something different, everybody's just guessing. Um, My problem with Christine Leahy. Yeah. Okay, I've seen the interviews where she questioned his fatherhood. She questions his manhood. She 
basically insinuates that his sons are being abused um, and, and a bunch of other stuff that's just wild out the pocket. Now, when I come on your show, if you've said these things to me, which are not about sports, which have nothing to do with sports and have everything to do with me and my character, it's my choice to decide whether I'm going to deal with you at all or not. And I think he kept that same energy that he had when he showed up to the show. I'm not going to deal with you because you've insulted me far beyond the show. So I don't have anything to say to you, which I'm completely okay with because you can't take shots, take shots, take shots, take shots. And then when he shows up and gives you, gives you that back, you play victim. I've never been a fan of people who throw stones and hide your hands. And that's what she did because she made it seem like it was all about that one interview as if he hasn't heard all the things you've been saying. That's number one. Number two, if he doesn't have any respect for you, Christine, that does not mean he doesn't respect women. You're not allowed to play the gender card because you said something completely messed up and he's responding back to you. He didn't say something like, that's why women don't need to be in sports. That would be disrespecting women. He didn't say something like, women need to stay in their lane. That would be disrespecting women. He said, you stay in your lane because he doesn't have any respect for you because of how you've attacked him. So let's keep it all in perspective and, and not start switching stuff stuff up. As far as uh, Jason Whitlock, I mean, Jason Whitlock is a burger. He's he's <laughs> He's been a burger. Like, now all of a sudden she wants to defend him and talking about fat people and body shaming. But she didn't say anything when he wrote that whole piece on Serena Williams. Everybody forgets that when he when he body shamed the hell out of one of the greatest athletes on the planet, definitely the best tennis player in history, body shamed her all all to be damned, talked about, you know, rolls of muscle and fat and all this other stuff, just got on her body completely. Meanwhile, he's walking around here looking like a bag of laundry. You, those two things don't even out. So you have to pick a team and play. And if she was quiet... When when Whitlock did it, then she needs to be quiet when somebody gives it back to Whitlock. And it's the exact same thing as far as he's concerned. Whitlock likes to take a lot of personal shots and personal jabs. So if it's coming back at you, be quiet or respond. But she made that bet. And the second he forced her to lay in it, she got upset and started pulling all kinds of cards. Now all of a sudden he's attacking her because he's a woman. No, in my opinion, I've seen him do the same kind of thing to Stephen A. Smith. I've seen him do that same thing across the board. As far as I'm concerned, he hasn't revealed anything more about his character. He's just being who he's always been. And because you're a woman, he's actually giving you the highest compliment in the eyes of a feminist because he's treating you equal to the way he treats men. You got it too. You step out of line, you get it too. When he, and it wasn't a threat. It said something's going to come back to you. This is what it is. I'm going to ignore you. This is the treatment that's coming back to you. So please don't sit here and act like I'm threatening to physically harm you. All he said was something's going to come back and this is what's coming back. It's coming back around to you. This is it. Karma. Now you have to deal with me dealing with you because of how you dealt with me. Now, I agree with you at certain points because, you know, there is a history, you know, with her and saying things like that and then. Now, Sonny Jason Wilhart for trying to defend him and everything. I mean, trying to defend her and everything. But I just wish that for Ball, for his standpoint, for you know, for him perspective of what he is as a father to, mm -hmm. to his sons and everything, just to do it in more of a professional manner. I mean, you know, you know, I had to suddenly just say, you know, stay out of your lane, this and that. You heard what she said before in the past with a 
fatherhood with the them being you know abused and all that stuff that's what she said and everything but just when it comes to that situation especially when you're on live radio to just do it more professional not stay stay out of your lane i, I, or, I hear you or you're a hater or, well, she is a hater well, but she, but, yeah, but she but is a hater you understand she's a hater but if you when you say it like that just just on the air just like that it just makes you look bad but she's hating on the air see yeah. this is the thing like i you can't you, you can't be better than her you can't well i mean you can but you, you also you you can be better you, you can, can be better take the high road you can take the high road like, no it could but he's also not wrong for playing at her level like if you're gonna be this low then i can also be at this low and we're just even i'm we're not better we're not worse we're just even like i understand that Here's my. He could have been more professional, yes. Yeah. But she wasn't professional when she took the shot she took. It had nothing to do with sports. You start questioning his fatherhood, and his, you, you're not a you're not a man. You're not a father. You're not even a parent. So, I'm super careful. Me personally, I, I'm a black man, but I'm super personal when I when I'm super careful about the way I speak about parents of all colors because I'm not a parent. I, I can't put myself in those shoes, but so much. All I see is a, a dad who's wild, obnoxious, yeah, who's loud, boisterous, wrong a lot, most of the time, and heavily, heavily involved in in his son's lives, heavily involved in his son's lives, trying to get the best for them that he can. So there's only but so much I can knock that man when I know certain people don't have dads. How many dudes in the NBA don't have dads at all? Never met their fathers. Fathers didn't come back around till they started making money. Shaq's biological father. He made a whole song about it. So I can I can disagree with his methods, but I'm not gonna call into question the man's character as far as his sons are concerned. Now his business acumen is completely different. Business wise, I think he's a buffoon. But one, I'd never I'd never call him a buffoon as a father. We need. We need to hear more from the sons before we can start talking about that because they got to come out and say something. I mean, the question is, though, you think what he said on the air and what people are reacting to this, you think this is going to affect just son's chances of landing with the Lakers or just going to do it basically on talent? No, I, I, I don't think I don't think this will affect anything at all as far because I don't I don't think he I don't think he looks worse to me. For me, he doesn't look any worse. For me, he just looks like this is just another step in the LeVar ball. Uh, saga so I don't think this is anything where it's like oh that's the final straw right of here like nah like you know she she called it a threat but it wasn't a threat she called it body shaming but she's very selective with that outrage because she wasn't a, she wasn't worried about body shaming when Chris Whitlock did it um, to somebody else um, and she wasn't worried about disrespecting all women when Chris Whitlock was going in on Serena Williams so her rage is selective and therefore it's not real to me. So I don't and if anybody in the Lakers organization has uh one working brain cell, they're gonna see it the exact same way. Well, the one thing I, I would be cautious with is with the father because even when he the son get drafted, I mean how are they gonna view this this player who's a point guard and one of the positions of the point guard, one of the attributes for a point guard is leadership skills. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I'm gonna be careful with when I see him play is when He's gonna lead these guys, you know, to play as a team and everything. But how can they respect a player when his father's gonna be pretty much breathing on him almost every single game or every single day, and trying to lead a team, and, and you can't even do it because you feel like your father be right there beside you doing all this 
criticism and all mm-hmm. this stuff and how this and this and that. I mean, for me, if I had a fire like that, it's just, I just need him to tell him that, you know, I need to have my own space. Mm-hmm. And this is teams, my team. I don't need any feedback or anything. Let me do it. But then the other players, grown men in that locker room, how are they going to view that him? Well, see, that's where I think the business acumen is messed up. Like I said, I think he's a buffoon. I yeah. don't think, I don't think he's handling his son's career the right the, the the best way possible. I don't think so either. Um, no, absolutely not. And I think I think he's making a bad impression as far as his son entering the league. But all that is separate from being a concerned father in the shots that Christine le- leveled at him. So all that stuff for me is separate. I mean, it's it's close to each other. But imagine imagine um, imagine you know somebody not wanting to take a charge in the lane, LeBron coming down the lane, you step in front and then you step out of the way because you don't really want to take a charge. And then somebody turns around and says, you don't love your mother. It's like, wait, what? Hold on. What? Because I wouldn't take a charge. Well, you don't have the heart to take a charge. You must not have the heart to do good things for your mother. You don't love your mother. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's too, it's, it's, it's attached, but it's completely separate. And I see it the same way. So I don't, I think he's messing up. I don't know how um, Lonzo is going to get those dudes in the locker room to follow him where it looks like daddy is calling all the shots. Well, it's going to depend on Magic Johnson, too, because he's going to have to have a conversation with the father and the son to tell him that this is the son's team. We don't need your father meddling in there and everything because this is going to mess up the whole chemistry and the men in that locker room are going to respect him, just going to do whatever they want. And you don't want that situation because there are rumors of DeAndre Russell having the same problems with that, with leadership skills, that he's not trying to galvanize his teammates and playing as one and everything. And they, and either they're going to trade him or they're going to put him at the shooting guard position for Alonzo as point guard, which we don't know yet for sure. I think that would be a smarter move. I mean, it would be a smarter move because then both of them would handle the ball and everything. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is do you think they will have more value of training DeAndre Russell and having Alonzo run the team? No, I, th- I think you keep them. I, I, I don't. I think you see if that can work out, and then if it can't, you know, there's no, there's no stopping on trading them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if if you still want to trade him, you still can. His value is not going to go down. But I think you see if you can work that backcourt out because if they can work out, that's going to be incredible. It's going to be interesting though because I look at that backcourt, I look at the team itself, and one one. one piece they're missing is they still need to get that superstar for the Lakers. I mean, yeah. he can draft Lonzo Ball, but he ain't that... Paul George is, is kind of, you know... Paul George wants to go to the Lakers. Paul the George is sniffing around, so, I mean, that's a superstar talent right there. question is, well, would the Lakers try to... I mean, would, would the Pacers trade Paul George to the Lakers for pick, possibly? How many more years does... Um, I think that's like one more year. Like, Paul George? Contract. He can yeah. wait. Did he get away? He can. I mean, I mean, you already let go of Larry Bird, so you already know that Paul George is gonna get traded. Well, Larry Bird stepped down. Well, he stepped down, but he knew probably that Paul George was gonna be. Traded. Right. I mean, Paul George is in L.A. He's taking. You know what I mean? He's kicking it out there. He, 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 I th- I thought Paul I thought Paul George was gonna go the second he started taking those comments about his teammates in the playoffs when he was talking about like I gotta get the last shot like. When he started saying stuff like that, I was like, would, oh, "You think he wouldn't say that though? If he had like a five-year contract with the Pacers and all that?" Has he ever done it before? No. All right then. You know what I mean? Knowing that things is up, knowing he's about to be out of there, yeah, it looks like he's about to. You know, he's the writing seems to be on the wall in both directions. The Lakers got a lot of questions to do, but also one thing I have to say for Lonzo is, you think you think as there's a time going to be in his career where he's going to have to hire an agent? 
and let go of yes, that. Yes, yes, but he, he, listen, I think that time may come sooner than, than later. Here's how I see it happening, and he, it, this is really a, a easy fix for me. Like, the second he gets drafted, yeah, the second he's on a team, the next day a press release comes out announcing that he signed to this management, this agency, this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, dad and son go have a conversation with the head brass. LeVar has a conversation with the locker room and tells everybody, listen, all that stuff that I was doing was to get my son here. And now that he's here, I'm out of here. Like now I'm going to go concentrate on my other two sons because my, 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 because Lonzo is good. I'm out of here. You're not going to have to worry about me. Uh, if you notice me being around didn't stop Lonzo from running the UCLA team and being the leader in that locker room. So it's definitely not going to affect anything in this locker room. He's a grown man. This has all been one big ploy just to get him where we wanted him to be. He's where he wants to be. And now I'm out of here. I'm going to go focus on my other two sons. You'll you'll see me at the games because I'll be here watching. But that's it. I'm out of the press. If I'm in the press, I'm going to be talking about sneakers and, and shoes. And that's the end of it. My son makes all his own decisions. You think that's going to happen? Do I, do I think it's going to happen? Yeah. Some variation of that, I believe, will happen. Here's the other part of it, though. Do I think that we'll know about it if it happens? Probably not. No. Not probably. If it does go down like that, it probably won't. But would it surprise me if it happened? No. No. Not to mention the fact that it's the easiest way to fix all of this. As, as, as far as LeVar, Lonzo, and the Lakers, it's the easiest fix in the world. Like Lonzo just comes out and announces, this is my agent. This is my publicist. This is the agency I'm signing to. Done. I don't know. I just I, I don't see that happening because just this this father is just out of control, and I don't I don't I can't really I it's it's just I, I don't see a guy who talks a lot of crap basically most of the time who who who's arrogant who's cocky and I know he wants what's best for his son, mm-hmm. but I just don't see that happening. Probably down the line, may, you know what will be will be funny though if he, if he got drafted by the Celtics, and then he just gonna be in that whole press conference be like, I want my son to be traded to the Lakers. Like you know how bad that would look if that ever happened. But let's say he got drafted to the Celtics, they had this whole thing because not a number one pick, and then he comes out after the draft, he gets try to get his hat, and I don't know where his father comes out, be like, no, I want the Lakers hat or something like that. You that, know how bad that would look. That would be ridiculous. Oh my god! I don't think it'll happen though. I, I don't even think the I don't even think the 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 Celtics will take him. Nah, they won't take him. I think they're gonna take faults. I think I think either that or they're gonna trade down. I mean, it's one of those options because yeah. they 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 probably want to get like a guard or a small forward or something like. that. I'm thinking I'm thinking small forward, somebody defensive minded. Could score too. Yeah, be, they, want, mean, they need a two-way player. But from Kansas, I believe uh, Josh Jackson. I believe that, was that player that we saw in, in the tournament that could be like a potential. Then it is say, but it's saying like Kobe Bryant or Durant, something like that. So they're trying they to have like that. they have all the guard they need. Yeah, they don't need too many guards. I mean, they got Bradley, they got Thomas. I know Thomas is short and everything, but they still got Bradley and they got Crowder. So they just need a score. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but you know, sticking with the draft though, um, the Knicks who are, who are becoming now the laughing stock of the league and they still becoming, but they still are. But now it's just getting worse and worse because now they have the eighth pick, and now you see Thomas Fudge saying, "Oh, we're fine. We're gonna get a player, this and that." I mean, 
looking back now, those games that they won, you think fans are happy right now that they got the eighth pick? I don't think fans are happy in general. I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm a fan and I'm not. I, I'm not happy with Phil Jackson still being in charge. You know, but you know he never gonna leave. I mean, it's just. I mean, when, if, the only way he's gonna leave is if Dolan just comes down and tells everybody, "Listen, I'm gonna fire Phil Jackson. Gonna get a new president. You know, this is gonna be a new regime. Maybe we'll still have Melo involved. We'll see." But. The way I see it, it's it's Melo still has the power. You know, he wants to trade. He wants to trade somewhere else. I mean, that's what they want to do. But Melo still has all the power to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what's gonna happen. But the one thing I know for sure is that the Knicks got the eighth pick. And if you look at history overall, and here's here's some selections from those who had the eighth pick. I mean, a few years ago, I would say, oh yeah, Marquise. Chris from the Suns, he got picked. It was eighth. 16, okay. eighth pick. Stanley Johns from the Pistons, he was eighth pick, 2015. Nick Stoskowskis for the Kings, he was the 2014 pick. Now he's traded around. Then you look at 2013, Pope for the Pistons was eighth. Terrence Ross was, was eighth pick. Brandon Knight. And let's not forget the one that we all scratch our head out to this day right now. 2009, Jordan Hill, eighth pick. When Stephen Curry was seventh pick. You can't see me, but my eyes are closed right now. <laughs> and then, also, Knicks had another eighth pick, too, in 2005 with Channing Fry, and now he's with the Cavaliers now. That wasn't a bad pick. We just we just blew it. Then you have Rudy Gay, 2006. Brandon Wright, 2007. The, uh, Jamal Crawford, actually, 2000, was drafted by the Cleveland and Andre Miller. Too. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, those are what Cleveland had those picks, and they just let these players go, and they become still good players in this league, but... Just the history itself of these eighth, you know, pick, eighth round picks. Or Pretty forgettable. Yeah. Pretty forgettable list of dudes. You have the eighth pick in these drafts. It's almost like these players don't really become super, super. They're just like okay players. No, after after the after the first five. Yeah, like Brandon. You just start Knight, getting into. Ross, I mean, Brandon Knight's not bad. Not a bad player. Terrence um, <laughs> Ross, he got traded. Pope. Most of these dudes, you won't know who they are. I mean, who's going to be, who, who's a star in this list I look at? And I don't see anybody that comes out here and say, hey, he's going to be a superstar in this league or he's going to be a star in this league. Yeah, these drafts don't go that deep. The eighth pick. It's rare to have somebody eighth and beyond that to be great. I mean, right. Kobe, of course, number 13th, you know, he's great. He got traded to the Lakers, of course. Yeah, but that was like once in a lifetime. Kawhi Leonard, 15th. I believe by the Spurs. Same, same thing. Same thing once in a lifetime. Like, nobody nobody could know that these guys would be this good. Yeah, no one. I think it's just the player itself. But then you look at the Knicks now and the, the needs that they need, or one of the needs they need is a point guard. Mm-hmm. And we all know one thing. Lonzo Ball, Marquis Falls, Fox, those guys aren't going to be there by the eighth pick. I mean, they're going to be picked beyond that. So now are they got to go after a, a Dennis Smith or are they going to go after that French freak guy from that that 6-5 and he could be a great good defender in this league or are they going to go for a, a small four like we don't even know yet. Mm. It's all Phil Jackson right now. I imagine he'll well his staff has done pretty good at picking um have they? I mean they got lucky with Porzingis and what happened to Clay Anthony early who, who's not even in the league anymore. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's a bad, that was a bad pick. They they traded the Grant away. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I thought he was going to be a good point guard in this league with the Knicks and everything, but they traded him away because they wanted to get uh, Rose and, and, you know, they also let go of the Lopez contract, which is ridiculous right now because Joe Noah is a bust. Is a bust. And I used Robin Lopez to keep you scoring in defense. And I don't know why they let him go. So you look at that, it's almost like 
can we really trust Phil Jackson with what he's gonna do? With I don't. Day? I don't trust him um, with the roster. I trust. I trust his scouting. His scouting. That's it. After that, I try. Like again, this is this back to the Levar kind of thing where it's like two separate points. You know what I mean? How he mishandles the team itself and trades and how he mishandles players, that's one thing. His scouting team seems to be on point. Because um, I still think Lee Anthony Early could have done some things. Uh, but I, I don't. he wasn't being utilized by the coach. I saw, He had some potential with him. Um, to come off the bench behind Melo, I saw some potential in that. Um, and we all see Porzingis. So I think I trust his scouting. I don't trust anything else. I guess I, I you can trust the scouting, but you know the one thing that Phil Jackson, I'm trying, I'm curious to see from him picking players is that most of these players that he's picking, they're like from international base, mm-hmm. and they, they haven't been players that are right here, you know, from colleges, from Dukes of the world, or Kentuckys, or even the top colleges or small colleges. They've been really basically. Out of the country. I think you go for those though when you know you don't have a top five pick. But like you, you start looking for gold someplace else. But you think there's more to that though? You think maybe because the players in the international league they've been playing for quite some time now. I mean, most of these players when they come out from international league, they've been playing since they're like 14, 15, 16, mm-hmm. and their fundamentals, fundamentally sound. You see their footwork. They they smart the game. You know they're mm-hmm. not like all athleticism. It's all skill and all this right. stuff. Because then you look at it from that perspective, and then you look at it a few weeks ago when Kobe said that the AAU basketball leagues are killing everybody's, uh, you know, the players' development. So that's why he to create a league where he wanted to focus more on their footwork and, and, and shooting and all that stuff. And then you look at the league today, it's all athleticism, three-point shooting, fast break points, mm-hmm. all that and stuff. And once that stuff fades, now what? You know, it's all skill then. But then, but then, if you've got skill, if you got skill. But then, I, I just look at it from the Knicks' standpoint. They're so stuck on this old philosophy of let's run the triangle, forget everybody else's building, and that's what's messing up the team. Because you can talk about a triangle of this, but you gotta understand that Phil Jackson is seventy years old. There's no way in hell he's gonna stay there for the next ten years trying to run a triangle system that no one wants to play in. Getting like thirty wins a season, basically, mm-hmm. and and players don't don't buy into it. I mean, it's just a fact that it's not gonna happen unless Jackson was like sixty, and I could see it. But the fact that he's seventy, it's probably gonna leave in two years from now. What's the next, you know, regime gonna do when when they're gonna have a team full of players that are accustomed to the triangle? Now they gotta run a new system and everything. I mean, it's just he's, you know, he's messing us up. Yeah, he's messing he's, up. Mess, he's messing us up he pretty bad. He's more than Isaiah Thomas ever is messed up. Because at least oh, Isaiah absolutely. Thomas, the absolutely. Isaiah Thomas was that, you know, as far as coaching, actually, he was actually good at picking players. Mm-hmm. Like, he picked David Lee. He picked, uh, um... Shannon Fry was okay. I we guess. had Shannon Fry. We had David Lee, yeah. David Robinson. Like we, Nate Robinson. Nate, like. Nate Robinson, not David. Nate Robinson. Oh, Jesus. Nate Robinson. We had a little squad back. You know Jamal Crawford. Yeah. We had a listen. Tom was there. Was coaching. I don't exactly, exactly. He just picked the bad coach. Like, I don't, I don't listen to Phil Jackson when he says we can't win with Melo. When the fact is we were winning with Melo before you showed up. Yeah, Clyde Frazier even said it himself. Melo is not the problem. The problem is that the team can't play defense, and you need players like that. And you got a coach on the squad. You hired. You got a coach who you made the defensive coordinator, and we're not playing any defense. So what? What? 
Why are we still listening to you? Is where it comes to me. You know, Chronicles be the luckiest person in the world because he'd be like, you know, I'm taking the money. You know, it doesn't matter if people criticize me. Uh, I got the money and everything. Defense is trash. Who cares? I mean, I'm gonna retire after this. I'm fine. I'm sitting on millions. He's sabotaging the franchise with his defensive crap, and it's not. It's not even working because everybody's exposing the Knicks on how horrible defense is. I mean, last season, we, you know, going to, you know, the Derrick Rose and all that stuff, but they lost games less than three points because they had no point guard on the court or they don't know what the hell they were doing. And most of the time it's because they can't defend their opponent. I mean, they, they could score. Like, the problem wasn't when they're scoring. And Foot Judge keeps keeps emphasizing the fact that they need to run the triangle. But really, it wasn't their scoring. It was their defense. Their mm-hmm. defense was just awful. Uh, putrid. And you passed on one of the best defensive-minded coaches – in the league, in Tom Thibodeau, you yeah. let Tom Thibodeau just walk. Nah, Timberwolves team's gonna be good a couple of years from now, and, and when they get another player, or whatever, with that coaching, with those players evolving, I mean, eventually that team is gonna be good in the Western Conference. It's gonna be a tough Western Conference either way, but yeah, like the Knicks right now, the problem has always been that they haven't had a defensive coach. And you look at the past fifteen years. When was the last defensive coach on the team? Van besides Gundy. Mike, well, besides, yeah, besides Mike Woods, it was Van Gundy. And that at that time, they were actually good. And then from and that, we were flourishing. Yep. that point on, it's been always about offense, offense, offense. And the problem wasn't always about their scoring. It was always about their defense. Mm-hmm. And and during that stretch, those 15-year stretch, it's been nothing but bad defense everywhere. And people still remember those days with the 90s with the Knicks being good defensively. And Which was our calling card where yeah. we would routinely win in like a way over 500 and going to the playoffs. and Yeah, at least they were they were good like because their defense was good. And then I just feel like the Knicks and Phil Jackson for a guy who, who actually with the Bulls were actually top five defense most of the time when he was with the Bulls and even with the Lakers in some, in some extent, doesn't even do that with the Knicks. It's like doesn't even care about defense. She just cares about the dumb triangle, trying to rub in everybody's faces and telling them that they should run it, it this way. Works, right. And it doesn't work. I mean, look at the teams that are in the playoffs right now. The Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the, the Spurs, Celtics. Look, all of them, they use some of the triangle, but not all the time. They usually more pick and roll, spread you out, shooting a lot of threes. Like, that's what mm-hmm. the game is right now. The game is all about threes. And... As of right now, the Knicks fans, if, if I were, you know, them and, of course, myself right now, I'd just be worried and, and be like, can Jackson just go? Can you just leave? I think most of us are saying that. But Dolan is just like, whatever. I mean, Because he's, he's still making money. But also the fact that Jackson is a scapegoat. You know, he, if he if anything happens, it would be because of Phil Jackson or because of James Dolan. He's going to blame it on Phil Jackson. Yeah, but I think I think somehow, someway, Dolan already sees that it's – I don't think he know. I think he knows he can't get out from under that. I think he knows we see him already. So he knows that if he fires Phil Jackson, he's going to – It's still his home. fault. Yeah, still his fault. Like, when, when you have season ticket holders telling him to sell the team, Yeah. I think the cat's out of the bag. I don't, think, I don't even think he can pretend to not know anymore. But should we expect anything from the draft? That nah. Like a pick and a pick. Nah. Nope. Not really. I mean, we. If he goes international, I got my eyes open. But if he picks from the list of, uh, you know what? You know what's gonna happen now. You know what Phil has earned from me. What? Phil has earned. Uh, Porzingis has given him credit, to where he if he pulls another name out of the bag that I've never heard of before, I'm not gonna be so quick to 
to trash it. Well, yeah, we can because we don't know anything about the player. Right. If he if he pulls one of those again, he has my he has my confidence that that player is probably something who someone who's really dope, probably somebody special. Well, that Frank kid from from um, from he's a French kid. Um, he's like six five, six six, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he has long. He's a long wingspan. I think some scouts say he could be a great. Defender as a point guard. I don't know about scoring and everything. I think he's, he's a, a point guard. guard. He's a point guard. Oh. He's a pass first too, and just plays defense and all that. So he's already following Porzingis on Instagram. I think some people already seen that already on Instagram. So I'm assuming that he's probably gonna get drafted by the Knicks. And we don't know anything about this kid. I'm not gonna trash him like I trashed Porzingis when he got picked. Hey, because we were wrong. Because I I was wrong. I trash Porzingis. I admit that right. Dude, here. we were all wrong. Yeah. I don't I don't know anybody who said. Because to me, I thought he'd be that typical international player who's soft, who's skilled, like Pogasol, and he's just gonna be like whatever. But then I look at Porzingis; he's actually tougher than he is, and he you know it just he needs to stay healthy. No, we we strong. everybody was wrong. I the only thing I I did not rush to judgment because I assumed that Phil Jackson knew more about basketball than me. So I left it alone. I was like, I've never heard of this kid before. I'm giving Phil Jackson the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to assume the man knows what he's doing. Now, we've been this far in, and he's shown me that when it comes to drafting, he's pretty good with, with this one example. But when it comes to running a basketball team, he's horrible. He's 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 asleep at the wheel. So, and so that leads me to believe that his drafting staff, the staff that does the research, and goes out and finds these players. They're the real MVPs here. They're the real champs here. Those are the real heroes. I have to believe that just based off his track record. His track record has shown me Porzingis is a star. And Phil Jackson is asleep at the wheel. He's horrendous. And uh, just looking at the draft itself, though, you know how Phil Jackson, he's got to look for that player that has size. And I told you before, that French kid has size. Mm-hmm. So I guess what he's trying to build probably, and maybe because this is why he wants to trade Mo, is he wants to have a, a team where you have length and size and can, can switch, can play defense, can play as a team. Like, if you look at it from this perspective, if the Warriors, for some reason... They didn't pick Steve Kerr, right? And they call Phil Jackson up and they tell him, you can coach this team for like two or three years. Because the team A has Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, all that. That team, and I'm not discrediting what Steve Kerr has done with the team. Like, they're mm-hmm. great and everything. But it makes me question, like, if he had that team, they probably won a lot of more games, maybe, than what Steve Kerr's done. But I think putting the triangle in there, I don't know how they will run it like that. Because they do run the triangle, but they run the aspects for the triangle and pick and roll and all that stuff. And he would love to have a player like Draymond on his team. He would love to have mm-hmm. Clay Thompson on his team because of their defense and all that. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would question myself is about Steve Kerr. I mean, not Steve Kerr, Stephen Curry, mm-hmm. and how he shoots so many threes. I don't know how he's going to tell him to stop shooting threes. Right, especially when he's hitting them. Yeah, and I know he wants to shoot the mid-range, and Curry can shoot the mid-range, and, and he should be shooting that more often than not, if anything, the three isn't there. But I just felt like he always talked about how, oh, what's the team that – Passes around, plays together, and everything. And he always talks about the Warriors and how they play and mm-hmm. everything. Because they do. I mean, that would have been like probably his goodbye to NBA career if he coached the, the Warriors for like two or three years. I don't like to talk about Phil Jackson and coaching because it reminds me that his first pick as a coach, uh, after he let Woodson go, after he fired Woodson, was Derek Fisher. Was Derek Fisher. A rookie coach who he ended up paying the money that Steve Kerr originally asked for. 
which is the only reason why we didn't get Steve Kerr, because he wanted X amount of dollars. They told him no, and then they gave Derek Fisher that exact same amount of money. You think with Kerr, would have been winning games? Yes. Yes, I think Kerr probably would have said, would have, would have, the way that they're running elements of the triangle now, I think winning and success would have been enough to keep Phil Jackson happy as opposed to him, like, you know, harping on it. You think he would make Melo better as well? Yeah, totally. Totally. What do you think he would have done differently if Kerr was coaching? This, let's say with this roster itself, because Jeff Warren sounds like he's going to hurt his job with the roster. I think the defense would have been 100% better. I think the staff he would have put together around to, to get the defense going would have been 100% better. The Knicks don't have a problem scoring. They never had a problem They've scoring. never That's had a problem. problem scoring. That's the problem. For the past four or five years, they never had a problem scoring. I mean, it's always been about defense, defense. which they just don't have. And they can't stop it at all. And it's just it's, it's a problem. But we'll figure that out. But, you know, we got to switch topics here and talk about this postseason because right now it's become a boredom of wah, 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 whatever. Like, <laughs> that sound effect uh, exactly. Uh, uh, whatever, just can we just move on to the finals already? Because I look at the first uh, matchup between the Warriors and Spurs that was on Sunday, on Mother's Day, and everything. You know, Kawhi Leonard was having the greatest game, one of his best of his postseason, and mm-hmm. then he got that injury, and then everybody's saying, "Well, Zaza Pachulia did it on purpose and everything." Now, for me, that play itself wasn't on purpose. I felt like as a big guy, you can do so much as if you're gonna. If you're closing out, yeah, right. Purposely, you have big feet. You're not gonna just suddenly step back and be like, you know, right. you going like that. You gotta step back. Or whatever. And he barely grazed his foot. Like it didn't look like he committed to getting underneath Kawhi coming down. It just looked like you know Kawhi's got big feet. He's got big feet. It happened. Yeah, and Kawhi also had an ankle injury before. Right? right before. Like, let's say if he was a fully healthy and he had that, then I would, I would understand maybe a little bit. But I look at those players, I mean, that happens almost every game most of the time. Yeah. People do that all the time when a shooter goes up. They got to go in and try to get him. Like, everybody remembers that famous J- Jalen Rose, mm-hmm. you know, the Kobe in the finals and everything. And then people say Jalen Rose them or whatever. Like, Kobe always says that because he wants to get revenge on all that stuff. And he kind of did because he got 81 points on him with the Raptors and everything. But, you know, going from that, I, every every game I've seen through the season has always been that player that goes in and tries to catch his ankles and everything. And Popovich, for some reason, went off on it because he has a history of doing this stuff. But I know he's been deep inside. He's trying to protect this player. And, right. And, and Kawhi Leonard in the situation right now because now it looks like the Warriors are going to swoop the Spurs. Mm-hmm. That's just going to happen because the Warriors are just – Above everybody, above that team, you know what Kawhi Leonard probably would have had like one game or two, whatever. But now it's like, are we just waiting for the final star ready? Because the Warriors are just blowing everybody out. Nah, I, I I'm still predicting that the Celtics will get one. You think they're gonna get one? I think the Celtics will get one. I mean. Looking at game game one against the the. Yeah, I don't think it'll be like I don't think it'll be like that as the, as the as. As the games roll on, I don't think it's going to be that way because now the Celtics are going to get rest because it's it's every two nights. It's not every other. It's not every night. Now they're going to start getting some rest. The Cavs are an older squad. I think that first burst was what it was. I don't think the Celtics are going to win the series. Oh yeah, well, no one's going to say. Yeah, that. I'm not predicting that, but I do think that I do think the Cel- the Cavs are in for a harder road going forward. 
all these others think that they're also the monsters too. I mean, what they saw they saw common saying that yeah, that was funny. Know, like, they're not the monsters, it's just, you know, regular players like us. I mean, if they are the if they if they are the monsters, just say that the Cavaliers the, the word that gets to the mon gods. Like, <laughs> they just like do whatever they want. Because I'm still predicting them to win. Yeah. So, but for the Celtics, I mean, what how can you do this? What can they do to stop LeBron James? Because right now LeBron's just toying them around. Dribbling under his legs like like whatever like. Let's see, but it wasn't ball. it wasn't LeBron that did him in as far as I'm concerned. It was the fact that what's name caught fire and the, the center. No, their center caught fire. Oh, that extra twenty points from Tristan Thompson, I think that's what put it over the top. Well, the second chance points that kind of hurt him. Not my thoughts exactly. And the fact that also Boston was like two of sixteen from the three point line. And, that kind of hurt and no foul calls, like yeah. so. You know, it was a combination of things, but I don't know if it'll go that way. Game, I'm, I'm, the game's tonight, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, so we'll see what happens tonight. But you, what do you think they need to do strategically to stop him? Because right now, Brad Stevens is thinking to himself, LeBron's smarter than ever. He, he even said himself coming into this league, LeBron was like this and that. Now he's mm-hmm. gotten way better now. He doesn't know what to do because now you have an undersized Celtics team who can't really stop LeBron, but they could probably stop other players, but they can't stop LeBron. Right. So I guess the one thing that they could do, in my opinion, is they just gotta make LeBron shoot a lot. Of exactly. And just not let him get keep him pain. keep him out, or or you gotta make LeBron beat him completely. Like don't 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 allow Kevin Love to get off. Don't, don't allow LeBron. Tristan Thompson to get off and take your chances. Like I mean, that's what the Warriors did last year with the finals. But you know LeBron and Kyrie just went off. Yeah, but they also weren't hitting shots. The Warriors started bricking a lot. Steph was hurt. Yeah. They, Clay couldn't pick up the slack, and there was no Kevin Durant. Looking at this series, it's just like uh, it's just everything that's done in this postseason has been blowout after blowout after blowout with this with the Warriors and the Cavaliers, and both of them are like nineteen and zero combined, blowing people out. I mean, if you look at these stats right now, LeBron on Wednesday, right, he had twenty six points in the paint. He was thirteen of sixteen inside the paint, and he was one of eight outside the paint. So basically, if you make him a jump shooter, you have your chances. LeBron also has 17 30-point games against the Celtics. The most ever is Jerry West. Damn. He was 25. He had 25 against the Celtics. Uh, Uncontested three-point shots. Kevin Love in game one was 5 of 7. The Celtics were 3 of 13. Like, like they were open, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't make them. They, were only, they only made three of those shots. So then I say to myself, the Celtics were gassed out in that game one because, you know, after game seven, they were all happy about being the Wizards and everything. They were just gassed out and they had no energy. So then I look at game two, and I say that if they don't win this game, then, you know, they're going to get swept. I don't think they have a chance of winning on the road regardless. Unless, mm. unless some reason LeBron gets hurt or somebody else gets hurt, and then uh, they go on this run the Celtics have, and then they somehow make it a series. But... It really comes down to this. Can Jay Crowder try to at least make LeBron work more? Because right now, he's not working. Right now, it's just like, do whatever he wants. Shoot, I think, I think he can. I think he can. I think they'll make some adjustments. Um, game two, and we'll see what happens. But what about Isaiah Thomas, though? I mean, he's got to step up, too. I know he's small. It'll, it'll be a part of the adjustment. I know he's small. We get it. But he, he's got to be the guy who got to score a lot more points than just whatever he had on game one. Because that, that, that's not good enough against this team. And then uh, you look at also the Warriors. And I look I look at game three on Saturday. G- game three on Saturday is going to be key for the Warriors. Right now they're saying Kawhi Leonard is questionable for game three. 
and you know the ankle and everything. Even if he comes back, he's not gonna be hundred percent. And you think it's worth it to play him? Give. I mean, I can understand why they want to give it a shot. You know what I mean? You want to go down swinging. It's nothing. It's nothing career threatening. So I mean, you can give it a shot. Steph Curry had ankle issues for how long? Yeah, so it's not career threatening. However, um, I can see them trying to give it their best shot. I can see them trying to do their thing, give it their best shot. I don't, I don't know if it's um, I don't know if they stand a chance either way though. You gotta play small. Uh, can they? I mean, they can't play big because they're exposing them a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. right now they're just running at will on on, on the Spurs because they're slow because they have the song long hours. Mm-hmm. So either you're gonna have to put Gasol off the bench. And put in a, a player maybe like David Lee who can at least play move move around and right. defend and everything, or you got to play big and just pound them in the paint. But that ain't helping. That either. doesn't seem to be doing a trick. Well, I I don't know, I don't know. It, it, we might as well be trying to find answers for um, we might as well be trying to find answers for the Celtics. Like it's all it's all kind of the same thing. Oh, yeah. All I know is when when the Celtics were at full strength, they actually did give it to the Cavs a couple of times during the year. When um. But when 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 Golden State was at full strength, they would they were just killing the Spurs. Even when the Spurs were at full strength, even with Kawhi Leonard in the game, they were they were murdering them. So I, I thought that first game was just rust. Just looked like rust to me. Yeah, just looked like rust. Just looked like they've been off. They're a little rusty. They got punched in the mouth. They kind of reeled back a little bit. Yeah, then they got hot, and then they saw it. I mean, come on. What what about any of that stop Steph Curry from from dropping? What did he get forty in that game? Almost yeah, he started like clowning out there, shooting threes from all year. Then he started dunking, shooting twos and, and floaters. He had those like big time floaters and everything. I mean, it's just you know training and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, a lot of stuff's gonna happen today, man. It's just we're gonna find out on game two today, and maybe we're gonna find out also game three, and then the series over, Warriors and Cavaliers, blah 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 blah. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, let's see what's happening. We'll see. Well, that's gonna do it for today's show, though. You can follow the Slam City Facebook page and Twitter account at Sassy You can follow me at Mornis10. I'm at M R M E C C. And that's fine. See you next week. Peace.